evening. Hope you've had a great week so far and uh, want to continue our series that we're in on these attitudes that we can have that we find in the Old Testament. Somebody once said, why do we have and look in the Old Testament when we're New Testament Christians? And I want to answer that for you. First Corinthians chapter number 10. I want to show you the value of the Old Testament. And um, obviously there's a lot of things that we learn about the New Testament church from the uh, New Testament um, books, but the Old Testament is there and it's valuable to us. And look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And no one asked that question here. This is just something that has been asked. Why would we study and preach from the Old Testament? In verse number 1 through 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, Paul is speaking about the children of Israel. And he says this in verse number 6, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they are lusted. And so we find that the things that Paul spoke about concerning the Israelites while they were in the wilderness, they're there for examples for us. And then he goes into, look with me in verse number uh, 10 as well. And he's speaking again, he's still speaking of the Israelites, the Old Testament. He says, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured, who he's speaking of is those that were in the wilderness. And what happened? And were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happened unto them for what? Examples. All of those things that happened in their life are examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so why would we study, why would we look to the Old Testament? And Paul tells the church at Corinth, it's for our example. It's for us. That we would see how these Israelites lived so that we wouldn't live like them, right? How many of you, you learn by others' examples or you learn the hard way, you do it yourself, right? And you get the punishment. Paul is saying to the church, let's learn our lesson by their mistakes so that we don't have the same mistakes. And he specifically was talking about their attitude or their spirit. He talks about murmuring to the church at, here at Corinth. And so I want you to go back to the book of Numbers, if you would, please. Everybody hear me okay? Is that on all right? Numbers chapter number 12. Numbers 12. And, and, and we're going to look at this chapter. There's 16 verses in this chapter. And there's, a, there's an attitude or a spirit that we're going to look at. In the last several weeks, what we've done is we've spent one week and we've looked at our attitude and then we look at the next week on what, how, what we should replace that attitude with. It's, it's good for us to replace an attitude that doesn't belong in our life. But it's not good, Christian, to leave that void in your life. Because what's going to happen is that same attitude that's not good that we've removed, if you leave a void there, it's going to come back. You've got to fill it with the right attitude. And so I would say this, it's not enough not to um, be covetousness. What, what, what God's after is for us to be content. And so it's not, well, I'm just not going to covet things. No, the, the attitude God desires is what? Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. And so we're looking at what we don't need in our life, and then the following week, week we follow up with replacing it with what we do need. And so tonight we're going to look at a different attitude or a different spirit. And we're going to begin in verse number 1 of chapter 12 of the book of Numbers. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses, 
because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now, there's something interesting about these two verses. As a matter of fact, let, let me read verse number three, because if you read these three verses, none of them really go together. Unless you want, we, and we're going to look at why they are together. But if you just, for just at surface, so number one, they're upset with Moses because he married an Ethiopian woman. Number two, verse number two, they're upset because hath the Lord indeed, uh, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? They're, they're, they're saying this, is Moses the only one that God speaks to? What does that have to do with verse number one? And then, and then verse number three. Now, verse number three is interesting. Who wrote the book of Numbers? Not a trick question. Who, who wrote it? Moses wrote the book of Numbers. And I want, I want you to see Moses' response to this. Moses, now the man Moses was very meek. Above all the, um, uh, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That's pretty good what Moses wrote of himself there, isn't it? Moses said, I'm a meek man. Matter of fact, I don't think there's another man more meek than me. And he put it in parentheses for us. <laughs> and the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three among the tabernacle of the congregation. And, there, and, and they three came out. And I want to stop there. We're going to look through this whole chapter. I want to stop there. And I want to put these, these verses here in perspective. Verse number one, Moses is um, being criticized because of who he married. That's what verse number one says. Verse number two, Miriam and, and Aaron are upset because for some reason they're not getting the attention in leading the children of Israel they think they deserve. Moses is just meek and humble. Matter of fact, there is not even another man upon the face of the earth at this time that is as meek and humble as Moses. There's no one more humble than me, Moses says. And God, in verse number four, and the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and Aaron and unto Miriam, come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And, and this is what God says, you three, come here. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever when, when, when you're raising your kids, do you, do, you ever, do you ever say to your kids, come here, come here, come to my room. They do something at the table or they do something in front of it and you say, come, get over here. You know you're in trouble. Here God is dealing with something and what, what we, we find in verse number five, the Lord, he comes down in the pillar cloud and he stood in the door of the tabernacle, he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And so he calls three of them, and he says, and you two come even closer. He brings them close to him. And he says this, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. He says, if there's someone that's a prophet, 
How are you going to know? Because I'm going to speak to them in visions and dreams. And then they're going to take the vision and the dream. And they're going to speak to you what I give, I've given them. But he says this, my servant Moses, it's not so. Now, if you were to stop right there, you'd say, oh, so Moses isn't a servant. No, what Moses is, what God's about ready to say to, uh, to Moses or to, to Miriam and Jake, uh, uh, Aaron about Moses, he says, Moses is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. In the, the, and in the um, similitude of the Lord shall he behold, wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? What he says is this, I'm going to tell you something, Miriam and Aaron. This one Moses that I've set aside, he's different. He's different. I don't speak to him through dreams. You know where he gets my word from? Face to face. He gets what I want, and I do it differently with this man. And then he says this, it, 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 he says, where would you find even the, the desire? Aren't you afraid to speak against this man Moses? And it isn't because Moses was someone special. It's because God was. What he's saying is, what Moses is saying to you is coming straight from my lips. And don't you find it? That why would you be critical? Why would you criticize this man Moses? In verse number 9, the anger, anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle and behold, Miriam became leprous. White as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us. What, what did Aaron call this? He called it sin. He said, don't lay this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have, what's he say again? Sinned. Their spirit, the thing that drove them, in verse number one and verse number two, they now recognize it as sin. Why do they recognize it as sin? Because God dealt with them. Miriam now has leprosy. Aaron is seeing the leprosy that his sister has, and he recognizes we've done foolishly, we've sinned. Let her not, in verse number 12, let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is uh, half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And, Mary, and Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. In verse number 16, they, they move locations where they're at. Now, Paul says this. Please, please get this. This, I will, this is probably not going to be an easy, easy message. And the reason why I don't believe this will be an easy message is probably this is something that all of us struggle with. All of us. This, the easy message is when you can say, I really wish so-and-so was here, they needed this. Or I'm glad so-and-so is here, they needed this. This is the easy message is one when you just 
accidentally bump the, your spouse. You know, why'd you bump me? Oh, I don't, I don't, I, I'm sorry, I was just moving, but you do need this, by the way. You know, you, those are the easy messages. These are the ones that every one of us say, this is what I need. Here, here we find that word spake against, or those two words in, in verse number one, and Miriam and Aaron spake against. Those two words, they mean this, criticized. That, that, that spake against literally means criticized. Now, Miriam, Miriam was a godly woman. Now, I, I want to go here because I want to, I want to preface this. The thing is this, many a times we get a critical spirit and we don't even recognize it in ourselves because we're doing good things. I go to church. I do all the things. I check off all the things I'm supposed to do. I even serve. I'm raising my children in church. And, and I want to show you something. Look with me in Exodus chapter 15, if you would. I want, I want to show you Miriam. Because sometimes if we look at bad things and bad people, we say, this, this, this person must be wicked. Miriam, in verse number 20 of Exodus chapter 15, in verse number 20, in Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a, tim a timbrel in her hand, and all that the women went out after her with timbrels and, and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath been thrown into the sea. This is a song by Miriam where she led the people in worship. God did a wonderful thing. The Bible here calls Miriam a prophetess. The prophetesses would be one that God would speak to in visions and dreams and they would give it to the people. So Miriam is not some wicked person fighting the people of God. Miriam is just like us. Serving the Lord. Loves the Lord. Uh, uh, wants to lead others in, in serving the Lord. And, and, and here, here, Miriam, everything you would read about Miriam in those two verses, you would say, Miriam's a great person. She's a servant of God. But Miriam, in Numbers chapter number 12, she finds herself in a place that isn't so good to be in. Miriam finds herself in a place where I, I would say this, sometimes even godly people can be critical at times. Stay with me here. Even good people can be critical. You with me? Let me go a step further. Even we can be critical. I want you to say this to the person next to you. Even you can be critical. Say it to the person. Even you can be critical. And then say it back to the person. Even you can be critical. All right? Sometimes even good people, godly people, can be critical. A lot, of, a lot of people have a critical spirit because one, one is because in, in, in their perception, someone has something they believe they deserve. In Miriam and in, in, in Aaron, the reason, the reason why they're critical, it's not necessarily because he's married to an Ethiopian woman. It's deeper than that. And, and listen, most of the time, we're going to get to this toward the end of the message, most of the time we're critical our spirit isn't about what we're critical about. There's something deeper in us that's causing us to have criticism. Now, something might come up. I don't like that shirt. 
Well, maybe, maybe in most cases, it's probably not the shirt that I'm being critical about. It's something deeper in me that's probably something that Scott has done or affected my decision-making that is causing me to be, to be critical. And if we're not careful, we just deal with the surface. And we never get down to the heart. Miriam and Aaron are not upset necessarily that he married an Ethiopian woman. They're upset, it really comes out in verse number two, they're upset because they think Moses has something that belongs to them. And they deserve more. Most of the time, if not all the times we find ourselves critical in our life, most of the time it's because we don't like something or a situation that's happening to us. And it causes us to be critical. We don't like how it fits us or, or meets our need and it causes us to be critical. And so what Moses, what Moses is hearing, what Miriam and in, 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 uh, Aaron is saying is this, why don't I have that? Why does, why does he get that? And sometimes, sometimes and, 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 and I wanna, again, I want to preface all this just by way of introduction. We're going to dig in here. Sometimes we say this, well, I didn't mean to be that way. That's not what I meant. Maybe in your criticism someone says, but that's pretty harsh. That's, that's pretty unkind. You say, well, that's not what I, that's not what I meant. I want to tell you what, what Jesus said, Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know what comes out of your mouth? What comes out of our mouth is what's in our heart. And when a critical spirit is coming out in our words, the reason why, my friend, it's there is because it's in our heart. That's why it comes out. The reason why Miriam and Aaron are upset right now is because there's something in their heart, there's a spirit and attitude in their heart that doesn't belong there. Moses, what he's saying in verse number three, I don't think that Moses, as he's writing this, is, 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 is writing in any humor at all. I just found humor in that verse as I was reading it, considering who wrote it. But I think verse number three tells us this. Moses is unprovoked. He, did, he didn't deserve this. This is not something that Moses was doing on purpose. Moses wasn't at fault in this. Hear me, many times that we're critical, the person that we're critical about doesn't have fault in the fact that we're critical. It's us. We choose to be critical. We choose to look at a situation in a certain way. Moses was just simply saying to us, I'm, I, this was something I've not done to deserve this criticism toward me. And we find in verse number 7 and 8, Moses, the servant, uh, uh, my, my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even appar uh, apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall be, uh, behold, wherefore, then where were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I want to ask us this question as we get into this study, or I want to make this statement. We, we need to be very cautious about speaking a word of criticism against any servant of the Lord. Now, I, I know some, and, and unfortunately I even know some preachers that use, use the position of a king. They'll use the position of, you know, David said not to touch the, the king of the Lord's anointed and therefore, you should never say anything negative about a pastor. The reality is, I'm not a king. That's not fair. 
It's not about a pastor. This servant here isn't necessarily just about somebody that's serving in the ministry. The servant of the Lord would be you. How dare any of us, or shouldn't all of us be cautious about anybody that's a servant of the Lord? That's the person sitting next to you. That's a person serving. That's the person that you go to church with. That's a servant of the Lord. Someone that is using, living their life to serve the Lord. Why would we ever think that we have the right to be critical against someone that's serving the Lord? I want you to think about that. Because oftentimes, if we're not careful, we think that we have a say in something that other people are doing or other decisions that are made. And it isn't the fact that Moses was wrong. What verse number three says this about to, to what I see in verse number three, Moses was not the one that wasn't right with God and they were trying to correct his wrong relationship with God. Moses was serving the Lord. And God says to them, why would you be critical what would you think that you have the right to criticize someone while they're serving me? You see, the criticism wasn't about Moses. What God was saying is this, when you criticize a servant that's serving me, you're criticizing me. And who would we to think that we are to criticize? And it ought to bring caution to us as we would speak a word of criticism against anybody that's serving the Lord. And I want you to see what happens. I want you to see how serious God is with this. God is so serious that he says this. He leaves and Miriam becomes leprous. And listen, leprosy was a death sentence. You didn't get healed of leprosy. Matter of fact, only those that were touched by, the, by Jesus or God himself healed people from leprosy. When, when God dealt with a critical spirit, he gave that person a death sentence. Let me ask you this. How do you think God feels about a critical spirit? It's pretty serious, don't you think? The definition of criticism, and I think if we're going to talk about it, let's learn what it is, okay? Criticism is this. Criticism is to dwell on the perceived faults of another. ...with no view to their good. And I think it's important for us to get the, word, the, the proper definition of criticism... ...because what you don't want to say is, oh, so if there's something wrong, I can't say anything about it. That's not, what, that's not critical. That's not criticism. Criticism is this. It's to dwell, and get that word dwell, on the perceived, your perception... ...a perceived fault of another with no view to their good. I'm going to dwell on how I perceive them or what I perceive they did. And I'm not going to do it so that good comes out. I'm going to do it so that it, they're torn down. You see, verse number one and verse number two tells us this. They weren't looking to correct something in Moses so that Moses then could be used greater for God's glory. They were, they were looking to, to bring something out of Moses so that Moses could be brought down. So what? So that they could be exalted. Criticism is, is something, it's, a, it's to dwell with no perceived, uh, with no view to their good. Now, let me ask you this question. Everybody awake? Let me ask you this question. 
You ever heard, how many of you ever heard this, uh, perception is reality? How many of you heard that? Perception is reality. How many of you would say that's a true statement? Perception is reality. How many of you would say it's a true statement? Okay? It's a true statement. If perception is reality and your perception is wrong, is it still reality? The fact of the matter is this, reality is reality. Reality is always reality. Have you ever, have you ever thought that somebody did something or said something or accused them of something only to find out that what you thought they said or did never even took place? But you perceived it did. Have you ever, have, has someone ever done something and you, your perception was they did it for this intent because that's what you perceived and your reaction was based upon how you perceived why they did it when that wasn't even the reality of why they did it. And World War III is on. All over perception. Reality is reality. And this is what happens. Most of the times when we become critical, it's something that we begin to dwell on and dwell on and dwell on. And, and, and hear me out. I, I, say this, I say this to you, and I want you to understand this. Many of the times the things that we're critical on, by the time we're done dwelling on them, we have created a totally different scenario than what truth is. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been upset with something Michelle's done. I've gone to bed. I've thought about it all night. I got up the next day, and I ignored her all day. And by the time I got home that night, you know what? I've created a totally different scenario than what it even looked like yesterday. And now I'm critical. And my perception is, and then have you ever, have you ever brought something out to somebody, and they said, but that's not at all what I thought or said or meant. That's not what I meant. And by the time you're done getting ready, you think, so I was mad for a day and a half for nothing? Yeah. In every situation in your life, in every situation, you have a choice. You, 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 can, you, can, you can choose to determine what reality is, or you can dismiss reality and always have your perception. Now, if you're any time, anybody in a place of leadership, so if you're a parent, if you're, you have people working for you if, if you, if you have any leadership at all, which I would think everybody here at some level has leadership, those underneath of you are always going to have a perception of something you've said or done and just because they have it doesn't make it right. How many of your kids have ever been upset with you over something you did? Because you hate me. No, no, that's not. No, you just don't want me to have a phone because you, do, if I don't and I go to school, when I go to school tomorrow, they're going to say horrible things, Mom, and you just want me to have a miserable life. You had me so that you could abuse me and I would have a miserable life and everybody hates me. And they're serious. They're serious about that. Their perception is you hate them at the moment. And you're like, no, I just don't want you to have a phone. I, I hadn't even thought 
deep enough to even know how I feel about you right now. It has nothing to do with how I feel about you. Everybody else doesn't, Mom. You just want me to be the weird kid at school. Yeah, that's what I want. I had you so that I could raise a weird kid so you would have to live with me the rest of our life because the weird kid can never get married and you're going to never get a job. I had you to make my life miserable. Yes. You're like, you ever, you ever talk to someone and you're just like, where is this coming from? What do you mean? Their perception, their perception they think is real, their spirit becomes critical, and instead of dismissing it and saying, you know what, my perception is probably wrong, I better get a better grasp of reality, they choose to go on the perception. And so you might say this, I can't say anything. If I say anything at all now, what you're saying, Pastor, is I will be accused of being critical. No. It's not what critical means. If there's something in your relationship that needs to be adjusted and fixed, you should and have every right to bring that to the attention of the other person to fix that relationship. You should. So that you don't become critical. Listen, the definition of critical with no view to their good. Miriam and Aaron had no purpose. Their reason for being critical here was not so that Moses would become better it was so that Moses would decline and they would be seen as greater. And so I want you to write these things down if you would, please. All right, I'm going to get into the meat of it here. In looking at these 15 verses that we read, I'm going to use those as our basis of coming to these conclusions, okay? Number one is this. I want you to write this down. Number one, really, really simple. Criticism is wrong. Criticism is wrong. By definition the word criticism, it's wrong. Let me give you a few points under that. Miriam and Aaron chose to be critical. And when they chose to be critical, suffering came. Miriam got leprosy. Aaron, his sister now, has leprosy. He's watching this, and the, and the Lord departs. And, and all of these... Horrible things take place in Numbers chapter 12, and, and, and it's because criticism is wrong. And, and so, therefore, this, when we choose to sin, because Aaron called it sin twice in the same verse, he said this is sin. When we choose to sin, we choose to suffer. If criticism is wrong, if criticism is sin, and we choose to be critical, you know what is going to be the outcome of that? You are going to suffer. You're going to suffer. God doesn't desire for you to suffer. Why is it wrong to criticize? We're going to get into several of these things. One is because we don't need to suffer. Miriam suffered. Miriam got leprosy because of her attitude, because of her spirit. I want you to write this down. Not only choose to sin, choose to suffer. Criticism is wrong for your fellowship with God. You can't have a critical spirit and, and think that your, your relationship with God is what it's supposed to be and what he wants it to be. Now, let, 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 me, let me preface all this. Miriam and Aaron didn't leave the Israelites and go with some pagan nation and begin to live some pagan life. They're still seen in the eyes of all of the Israelites as leaders. They're still... Uh, the prophetess and, and Aaron is going to be the priest and, and all of these things. They're with God's people. They're, they're in their minds serving the Lord. 
and, and, and they're in the right place, like all of us are. But what happens is this. When we get to the place of a critical spirit, I want you to see what happens. The Bible says in verse number 9, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and he departed. You know, God said, I, this affects our fellowship. Now, when, when my kids, again, I just, I just use these practical examples. When my kids do something wrong, there's been times I've said this. You know what I want you to do? I want you to go to your room. I want you to go to your room. How long? Till I tell you. When are you going to tell me? I'd go to your room right now if I were you. Get to the room. Am I still their father? Am I, do I still love them? Our fellowship is broken, though. You know what I would much rather my kids be doing? Something with me. There's never a time that I actually like my kids in the room because they're being punished. I actually like to spend time with them. When they're there, you know what happens? Fellowship that's supposed to be there is broken. And when we are critical, criticism is wrong... And, and it's wrong for your fellowship with God. I, I want you to write this down too. Criticism is wrong for your relationship with other people as well. Look, look with me in verse number, verse number 15. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days. And the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. Miriam was at a place. Not only did it affect her, her fellowship with the Lord. It also felt, uh, affected her fellowship with other people. When we get critical, it hurts relationships. When, when we point out things, perceived things, well, he, he made that decision and this is why he did it. You know what? That, has, that, that is your perception. The reason why is probably nothing to do with your perception. And you know what's hurt now? Our relationships. Listen, I... There are people, there are people that have left churches because of perceived decision that a pastor has made. And I'll, I, I, later on I'll say, what, what happened to them? They, they left because you did this. I did? Yeah, you, you, you didn't do this, or you said that, or you don't like this. or I did? I don't remember that. Well, that's their perception. Perception's reality. No, reality is reality. There are people that aren't friends anymore because their perception of something that somebody did wasn't reality and they got critical. And they began to behave in a certain way. You know what? Criticism affects your, your relationship with other people. We'll write this down if you would, please, as well. Criticism is wrong for us personally. You know what criticism does? It affects you. It causes you to be unhealthy. That cloud departed from off the tabernacle and Miriam became leprous. Listen, a critical spirit affects you. It hurts you. It, 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 it can hurt you spiritually, physically, emotionally. The, the habit of constantly negating and criticizing is, very, is a very personally destructive pattern of thinking. I want you to write this down. Number two, criticism is petty. 
criticism is petty. Criticism for what criticism? Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that all problems are petty. There may be something you're dealing with with your family or your spouse or work, and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be dealt with. I'm not saying that all problems. I'm saying criticism, in its definition, criticism is petty. It's petty. It, it, it's, it, it is not normally about substantive things. It normally, normally the things that cause us to be critical have nothing of no value really in the light of life. You say, prove that. What's the last thing you got critical about? And put it in light of people dying without Jesus Christ and spending eternity in hell. And tell me how important that was. You did that, I don't like it. Put it in perspective of people dying without Jesus Christ and going to hell. And tell me how important that was. Husbands and wives will go to bed without talking to each other because of a critical spirit because of perception versus reality. And, 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 then, and then a couple days later, they're like, what were we even fighting about? I, I talked to a fellow one time, and I said, um, there was somebody that was in the ministry, and I said, I know you so-and-so, you, you guys don't talk much, you're not, you don't really deal much with each other. I said, why, why is that? And he looked at me, we were driving, I'll never forget this, we were driving in a car, because I was a, a mutual friend of both of these pastors, and the two of these pastors aren't talking to each other anymore. And I said, well, tell me, tell me why is that? I wasn't, I wasn't, I really didn't want the dirt. I just, I didn't understand. And I'll never forget, he looked at me while he drove, he looked at me, he had that look on his face, he went, he looked back forward as he was driving, he says, you know what? I don't even know now. I don't even know now. I said, so you ruined a relationship over something you can't remember what it even was about now? What was worth, what, what could it possibly be? The reason why is many a times criticism, it's, it's petty. Sometimes our wrong, some, sometimes our wrong out there isn't the, the real issue. The, our, our issue that we're having an issue with isn't the real issue. Miriam and Aaron's real issue wasn't the fact that he was married to an Ethiopian. Their real issue was the fact that they weren't getting the attention they thought they needed. How many of you remember that, that story? The, the grandkids were visiting Grandpa and Grandma's house, and Grandpa had that big beard, kind of like Slim's, right? About right like Slim's. Something that you could hide a piece of that real, what's that real stinky cheese? What's that real stinky cheese? Limburger cheese? The grandkids put a little bit of cheese, that real stinky cheese, in, de in Grandpa's uh, mustache and beard and he's snoring away on the couch and he got some whiff of that cheese and he jumped up and he says what stinks in this room he walked out and to another room this whole house stinks he walked out on the porch he said this whole world stinks what is the problem here did the whole world stink did the house stink did the room stink no, just a little bit of cheese under his beard stunk. And he's blaming the whole world. 
You know what I've learned this? I've, I've dealt, I've dealt over the years, I've dealt with some, some criticism. How many of you ever dealt with criticism? Isn't it great? I've dealt with criticism. You know what I've learned? One of the best things to say to somebody is, what's really bothering you? You know, what's really bothering you? It's, it's not the fact that I'm married to an Ethiopian woman. What's really bothering you? And you know what the real issues that I, I normally come to? Number one would be this hurt. The real issue is they've been hurt. Something happened that's caused them hurt. And now everything about that person. Do you ever know those people, no matter what they do, you don't like them? Because you've already decided you don't like them. It's true. I, I saw this. You've probably seen this TV show. They took all of these quotes. And these were quotes that, that Hillary Clinton said. Right? They were her quotes. And they went up to people that voted Hillary Clinton, and they said, what do you think about this quote that Donald Trump said? And it was what Hillary said. And they, I hate it, I think it's wrong. And I think, Did you actually know that wasn't him, it was her that said it? Oh. Or vice versa, and I'm just using that. If you like Hillary, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be critical, I'm just using that as a story that I saw. But when the person they love said it, no matter what they said, it was okay. But the person they hate, it doesn't matter if he did good, they hate it. You know why? Because they got a critical attitude. And when you get to the place with someone, no matter what they do, you're, they're always wrong. You've got a critical spirit. And it's wrong. And it's petty, and it's probably because there's some hurt there. There's something there that happened, and it could have been years ago, and since that happened, it's not, it's not anything to do with what I'm criticizing today. It has all the way back here to do with what I perceived back here. And until you come all the way back to where the hurt started, you can't get rid of that criticism. And you know what? Sometimes in order to get rid of that critical spirit, we got to dig deep all the way back. Because if you don't, all you do is you deal with surface things and you'll deal with the issue and you know what will happen? The next time something else petty comes up, it'll be a problem to you as well. Because what you're dealing with is not an Ethiopian woman. What you're dealing with is something deeper hurt. Sometimes the real issue that I find is this. When you ask, what are you really bothered about? Unforgiveness. There's unforgiveness in a person's heart towards something or someone. I had someone say this to me one time. I don't like you. I said, why? Because you remind me of somebody else they don't like. I said, so you don't like me because of that? You remind me of that person. So you don't like that person so much that you don't like me. Yeah. That person had red hair and you have red hair. Thank you, Ann. Number three, you write this down, the real issue sometimes is envy, jealousy, and resentment. You know what the problem with Miriam and Aaron? There was envy, there was jealousy, and there was resentment. And because they couldn't get that right, they became critical. Write this down. Criticism is, 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 is not only petty, number, number whatever next, number next. 
criticism is self-exalting. They were trying to elevate themselves above Moses. What they were saying is this, my opinion matters more than Moses' opinion. And many a times when we get to the place where we don't like the opinion of someone else that, that really has the authority to make that decision, the reason why we're mad is because we don't like their authority because we want to make that decision. Number next, write this down, criticism is painful. I stopped writing the numbers, I'm sorry. Criticism is self-exalting. Criticism also is painful. Let, let, me, let me say this as well about criticism. Many critics don't have all the info to even to make the proper judgment. Most, most, most critics don't even have all of the info. And listen to me, what's not fair and what's sinful and what's wrong is when you feel the liberty to insert wrong information into a situation to come to a conclusion and then you become critical about that situation. It's unfair. Criticism is painful. Number, number next, criticism is often um, criticism often spills over into other, other problems as well. Spills over into other decisions, other relationships. Numbers chapter 12, verse number 11. Look at there with me, if you would, please. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. You see, what he was saying is this. We didn't mean we didn't mean this. We didn't thoroughly think through this. But it's painful and it hurts others. Can, can I say this in all kindness? Think about this, this criticism, this critical spirit. Criticism makes you hard, vindictive, and cruel. Criticism makes you hard, vindictive, and cruel. Somebody, somebody is 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 done this you know what i'm gonna i'm not gonna be nice to their kids i'm not gonna be nice to their wife i'm not gonna be nice to their friends or i'm gonna get back with them you know what i'm gonna do i'm going to do this that'll show them your critical spirit has caused you to be hard vindictive and cruel you, you know how many people have done something to get back at somebody, something cruel, something life-altering, something bad because of a critical spirit? <clears throat> Oswald Chambers. How many of you have ever read anything by Oswald Chambers? He's, he's got great devotions. He said this, I'm rounding third, I'm coming home. He didn't say that, I said that. He says this, criticism leaves you, criticism leaves you with the flattering idea that you are a superior person. It is impossible to develop the characteristics of a saint and maintain a critical spirit. It's impossible. A little seed lay on the ground. 
end soon begin to sprout. Now which of all the flowers around it mused should I come out? The lily's face is fair and proud, but just a trifle cold. The rose, I think, is rather loud, but quickly it grows old. The violet is very well, but not a flower I'd choose. Nor yet the Canterbury bell, I never cared for blues. So it criticized each flower, this sour judgment seed, until it woke one summer hour and found itself a weed. Think about that. Father, help us, I pray, with our spirit, with our attitude.